Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Uh, I read Psalm 113.3 this morning as part of my devotions. It says, the name of the Lord is to be praised. It says, from the, from the rising of the sun until its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. So basically what it's saying, all day long, every moment we are conscious, it says God's name is worthy of praise. Now stop for a moment. It says just his name, not even God, his name alone, the name that represents God is worthy of praise all day long. Do we have any clue how great, awesome, holy, and infinite our God is? We get a glimpse of it, but man... He is it. He is everything. Praise God. And the freedom we have to come in here and worship on a Sunday morning, don't take it for granted, folks. People are giving their lives to do this all around the world. They're hiding in basements to have an opportunity to get together with other believers. There's people being slaughtered for what we have the freedom to do here. So praise God for it and pray for those that don't have the freedom we do because they they need it and they need us to, to lift them up and do whatever we can to help them. Well, I hope you're thankful. I've been really thankful this weekend. Yesterday, my wife and I celebrated 28 years of, of, our, of our marriage, the wedding. And it was pretty cool. We went, uh, went to the Galleria, had a nice meal, stayed overnight, did a couple things yesterday, came back, and all, all went real well. And <clears throat> what I realized on our, our 28th uh, wedding anniversary that we got married when I was 28. So I'm thinking, how old does that make me? Does anybody know how old I am? I'll, I got a dollar for the first person. Tells me. Right there? Bob Holmes? Here, no. I want you to have. Okay, give it to somebody then. Bob's a pretty sharp guy. But if you heard what he said, he didn't figure it out. He heard it first service. So, man, he's still a sharp guy. God, God bless him. But we, we, we had a good time. And Thursday, I was talking to my mother over the phone. And I was telling her about what I was planning, how, you know, special I wanted it to be for Julie. She said, oh, that's nice, that's nice. And then we started reminiscing a little bit. Back to 1986 when I met Julie in August of that month. And our, our relationship was a little bit on and off for a while. And then we got kind of, you know, serious and steady. And then, you know, I thought, you know what, I really like this girl. I want to bring her home for Thanksgiving. I was uh, based in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina at Pope Air Force Base at the time. Most of my family is up in the, in the Chicago suburbs. So I said, Mom, I really like this girl. I want to bring her home so she can meet the family. She said, wonderful time. You bring her. I said, okay. Well, you know, we got pretty serious. And uh, October 20th, I proposed to Julie. And amazingly enough, she accepted. That was, that was something. I don't know if she had a clue what she was getting herself into, but she did. I didn't give her too much time to think about it. But you know, gentlemen, for what it's worth, those of y'all that maybe got a little nervous about proposing, before... I proposed to her, I said, would you consider marrying me, okay? I didn't want to put the big ask out by the ring and get hurt, so remember that. Would you consider it? You know, just kind of put a feeler out, okay? Then, you know, that's your call, but it worked for me, and uh, I appreciate it. So then I called my mom back and said, Mom, I'm going to bring a fiancé home for Thanksgiving. I said, you're bringing a girlfriend and a fiancé? I said, no, no, Mom, no, Mom. They, they don't do that in North Carolina, Mom. Just, just, just my girlfriend's become 
my fiance. Oh, that's a great time. We're so happy. So, you know, time went on a little bit, and I'm at her parents' house every night. I'm living in the dormitory out in the basement. I didn't like it there, so I'm always out at her family's house, but 10, 11 o'clock every night, I'd have to go home. And I said, you know, I'm tired of this. You know, I know this is the woman I'm going to marry. Why, why should we wait? Why should we put it off? So one night, I talked Julie into going down to Dillon, South Carolina, to a, a wedding chapel. And thinking, you know, we, we brought a couple friends to be witnesses and going to elope. Well, we found out even in South Carolina, you have to have 24-hour notice. So it, it didn't work. We came back. And then I said, well, don't worry about it. Maybe, I'll, you know, next week I'll, I'll work it out. I'll, I'll, call in, I'll call in advance. Well, she said, Tom... I really would like to have a regular wedding. So, well, how are we going to do that? He goes, well, let's go meet with my pastor. So we went and talked to her pastor. And uh, we, we, he was really nice and set it up. And we set a date for November 22nd, right? So this is great. So guess what I do? I call my mom back. I say, Mom, I'm going to bring a bride home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and she goes, you're bringing a fiancé and a bride? No, no, Mom. They don't do that in North Carolina. And she says, well, I heard they did. I said, no, they stopped doing it, Mom. They don't do that anymore. She said, well, that's, that's wonderful, Tommy. You know, she, she was so excited, worked out. And it was, what really worked magic here was my wife went to the University of North Carolina, Tar Heel, any, any Tar Heels here? And uh, anybody? Any single Tar Heel? There we go. Hey, way to be, way to be. Well, anyways, she was there when Michael Jordan was there, and they won the national championship and all that stuff, right? Well, guess who just got to Chicago before we came up to meet the family? Michael Jordan. So it was like an instant hit, folks. It was like a match made in heaven, you know. My, my, my relatives and family, friends, we, we had a great celebration. It was wonderful. And why do I tell you all this? Because when we are excited about something, when we're thankful, we don't hold it in. We tell people, right? I was excited about what God had done in my life. Bring this beautiful woman in my life who loved Jesus, who wanted to support me. She knew I was planning to go into ministry someday, and she supported me. And I was excited. I was thankful. I just couldn't believe it, you know. Uh, it, I was just, you know, I just was really pleased. I had a lot of, you know, hurt relationships in the past. And for God to bring this beautiful woman into my life at this time, it was just, you know, I was just blown away. I couldn't be happier. So I told people about it. And that's, that's the first point in your outline. If you, if you see this bulletin insert, it looks just like this without the fill-ins. We'll give you two those as we go. You can track along with the message. And you see on the flip side there that there's information. If you, if you have a smartphone and you want to use the, what is it, the Bible? What is it, the U version of the Bible? Thank you. It has a live app on there. Go on there and look for the live. And you can follow the notes right there on your smartphone if you'd like to do that. Well, anyway, today's message is a, a third part of a series called Reach. You heard Betsy talking about what Randy's been preaching about the last couple Sundays. First message was pushing through that awkwardness. You know, we want to tell people about Jesus, but we're uncomfortable, and it's awkward. We don't know how to do it, but, you know, he gave us some, you know, scriptures and ideas and, and challenged us to have the faith to push through that awkwardness. There is life on the other side of awkwardness. Now, for the adolescents, the young adults, in the audience, you may not believe that. There is life on the other side of awkwardness and being embarrassed. I could tell you a real embarrassing thing I went through. I'm not going to tell you right now. Some other time. But uh, so that was the first part. Step by faith, stepping through that awkwardness, knowing that it's really important to get the message out. And then last week, you know, Randy talked about the spiritual battle we're in. That there's actually a demonic darkness that Satan blinds people's minds. Even if they hear the gospel, it's like it doesn't penetrate. It doesn't make sense. 
and that needs to be broken through. And of course, it's only the power of God that can break through a demonic darkness. And praise God, what does the scripture tell us? 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world, in God, in the Holy Spirit. He who is in us is greater. And through prayer and perseverance, God will break through that darkness. So that's why we are praying for people. I hope you uh, wrote some names down last week if you were here. I got a few on a card that, that I'm praying for this week and these next 30 days that I hope to have opportunity. And there's others. I'm not limiting myself to these. I'm praying. These are, these are all folks that live near me, and I'm praying for them. And I'm hoping just God gives me an opportunity to share his love and if possibly invite them to Gateway. That, that would be great. And, you know, just, you know, as I was excited, you know, about meeting Julie and getting engaged, you know, we have much to be excited about as Christians. Do you believe that? We got much to be excited about. Yet followers of Jesus don't always tell people about him for whatever reason. There's just, there seems like there's just not that enthusiasm to tell the good news. And it is, right? It is good news. That's what the word gospel means. And I think one of the reasons may be is that we don't fully understand all we have to be thankful for and excited about. And one person that really seemed to grasp us was the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul probably had more impact in establishing the Christian church than anybody but Jesus himself. Just tremendous. He was a wild man. <laughs> he told everybody about Jesus, whether they wanted to hear it or not. And he got a lot of grief and persecution. And eventually, uh, history tells us that he was, he was beheaded. But boy, did he live a full life. Boy, did he have some impact. And he was crazy about Jesus. He seemed to grasp the greatness, the goodness of God in a matter that few others have. And because of that, he, 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 he told them. And he wanted people to get excited. He wanted the early church to realize just how much we have in Jesus Christ. And a lot of you are probably familiar with the letters he wrote that we call epistles. And he, he wrote uh, one of these to the church at Ephesus. Now, I used to think the epistles were the wives of the apostles, but then in Bible college, I found out that wasn't the case. You know, you know how embarrassing it is to go into Bible college thinking that's the case? Well, it was good that I found that out. But uh, the epistles are just letters. It's a fancy word for letters. And Paul wrote a lot of letters to the churches in the New Testament to help them understand Jesus, to understand the gospel, what we have in Christ, and how we're to live it out. Not in human energy, but in the Holy Spirit. You know, living a, a Christian life in human energy is religion. Okay, you can do it, but it's not a lot of fun. When the Holy Spirit is empowering you, giving you life, freeing you up, it's good stuff. The Christian faith is enjoyable, okay? It's a life of abundance and overflowing. Well, this is what Paul prayed in uh, Philippians, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 1. This, listen to this prayer. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow. I'm just going to pray right now that we, we get a, some spiritual understanding to, to grasp this. Father God, uh, we are truly blessed just to hear the name Jesus Christ and to know the gospel. We are truly privileged people, Lord, because there's millions and even billions of folks out there 
that haven't. So Lord, we, we thank, we're thankful. We, we praise your holy name. Thank you for your word. We do pray for those who are persecuted for your faith. We do pray for those who haven't heard, dear God. May we be part of the solution in helping them, Lord God. And now I ask by your Holy Spirit, give us understanding, lead us into truth, remind us of the things Jesus taught us, and most of all, give us the faith and the courage to obey you. Amen. So Paul prayed this prayer about riches and glory and, and power, and you wonder, in a culture like ours that's enamored with riches and glory and power, how come we're not more excited about what we have in Jesus Christ? Because his riches, his glory, his power is infinite. Anything in human comparison is incomparable. It's, it's, it's minimized by what we have in Jesus Christ. Now, if that wasn't enough to get excited about, Paul went further. Later in that same letter in chapter 3, he prays for them again. Just a moment. He said, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. You heard that song? Well, this is where they, where they got it from. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, that's incredible. That, that, you know, he says, I want you to know something you can't know. It sounds like a paradox or oxymoron. So he said, at face value, what's the deal here? What's Paul saying? Well, what he's praying and what he's saying here is, I want you to have an experiential knowledge of God's love. Not just have a head knowledge, oh, you read it in the book, but know it, that the Holy Spirit touches you with it, that your love, his love, is poured out within your hearts, and it overflows. A little girl was riding home with her mother from Sunday school, and she said, Mommy, he says, uh, you know, how big is God? And oh, she said, oh, he's really, really big. Oh, and, you know, and then she said, does God come and live in my heart? And she says, oh, yeah, he'll, he lives right in there. And then she, she asked her mother, well, Mom, if, if God is really big and he's lived in my heart, shouldn't he leak through? Shouldn't people see him? Good question, folks. If he's in there, if he's as great and awesome and powerful, as loving as he is, shouldn't he kind of leak through now and then? Shouldn't people see something in us that is not just of our natural being? but something supernatural that's placed. Paul got excited about the love of God. And Jesus said, love is a key to a big part of our effectiveness to be a good witness, a good follower of him. In fact, he said the night before his crucifixion, after he had washed the disciples' feet, he said to them, this I command you, that you love each other, even as I have loved you, that you love each other. Some churches do foot washing services. You ever been involved in those? We had one in the church I was in. It was, it was some. <laughs> but, you know, the idea of washing, serving, it, you know, doing those things that maybe nobody else wants to do, but you do it out of love. You serve the other person. And it says that he doesn't say the world will know we're disciples by how we love them. It says by the love we have for one another. I think in the book Galatians, it says, do good to all people, right, everyone, but especially, especially those of the household of faith. Folks, we should be treating each other like gold. We're going to spend eternity together, okay? It's a long time. 
So, you know, we ought to be getting used to it, loving and caring, and let people see that dynamic, the love of Christ in us that is not available anywhere else. We have reasons to get excited. Well, in case you haven't got excited yet, I want to use an Old Testament passage from 2 Kings chapter 7 this morning to illustrate some spiritual truths. We're going to look at a, a, a physical account, what happened in the, the city of Samaria, Samaria, and then I'm going to use verses from the book of Romans to demonstrate the, the spiritual truths, okay? So, so here we go. Um, first, or Second Kings 7, you know, it was, it, what was going on there is that you had a, the town of Samaria is under siege by the the Aramean army, right? And conditions had gotten really bad. I mean, they've been under siege for a while. They're all out of supplies and food. They're eating really bad stuff. I don't want, I'm not going to mention. In fact, it's gotten so bad, some of them were resulting to cannibalism. That's bad. And when the king heard about this, he got so angry about the situation that has come to this point in his, in his kingdom, in this, in this city, that he, he, he went after the, the prophet Elisha. Now, when people are angry at a Christian, it's often they're, they're really angry at God, you know, sometimes. And they can't get to God, so they'll get to somebody else. So that's what the king did. He sent one of his officers to bring back the head of Elisha the prophet. Well, Elisha knew he was coming. And he had somebody stand at the door and hold it. And then as the, the guy shows up, he, he, Elisha spoke to him. He said, I, I got a word from the Lord for you. And that's, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. I think it's going to be up on the screen there. It said, Elijah replied, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of flour, the finest flour, sell for a shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. He says, Tomorrow, about this time, it's going to be business as usual. Now, that was hard to believe. You got an army, a very mighty army surrounding you. Everybody's starving. People are, are starting to uh, do bad things. And you're saying tomorrow everything's going to be fine. And so the officer on whose arm the king was leading said to the man of God, he says, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? So he, he doubted, right? So Elisha said to him, you will see it with your own eyes but you will not eat any of it. And that's kind of where we pick up. And then it goes on to say, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we will die. If we stay here, we'll die. Let's go over the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. In other words, what do we got to lose? We're dying here. Stay here, we're going to die. They're not going to let us in the city. They're dying in there anyway, so let's just go for it. So they go. They head over at dusk to the camp of the Arameans. When they reach the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord hath caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents, their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents. They ate and drank, started to party, have a feast. Then they took silver and gold and clothes and they went off and hid them. Then they returned, they entered another tent. 
took some things from it and hid them too. I mean, they're like, they hit the jackpot and they're, they're having a good time and they're, they're pillaging. They're, they're getting all they can for themselves. And then here's the key part. All of a sudden, they, they said to each other, what we are doing is not right. If we wait until daylight, they're going to overtake us. This is a day, or let me back up. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. It's not right. If we wait till daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let us go at once and report this to the royal palace. He said sooner or later the people are going to find out. So let's, let's just let, let's tell them, because it's not right for us to have this party. And, you know, they're in the gates starving, right? So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them. We went into the air main camp and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys. And the tents left just as they were. The gatekeeper shot at the news and it was reported within the palace. And eventually they did open the gates and the people went out after they investigated. And you know what happened to that officer that mocked Elisha and said this thing could happen? He just happened to be at the gate when the crowd bust through and he got trampled and killed just as the word of the Lord has said. Look at the major events in this account in the physical realm and then we're going to give some pure, parallel uh, spiritual truths from the book of Romans. First element, the people of Sumerian, they were near death and they became desperate, right? They're out of resources. There's nothing they can do mighty army around them they're going to starve or just be killed by their enemy and here, here's the spiritual parallel the human condition apart from god is not good just as the samaritans were destitute and unable to rescue themselves we as humans have a similar predicament and this is from romans 3 10 it says as the scripture says there's no one no one is righteous not even one this doesn't mean i'm an awful terrible person compared to others it just means i do not meet god's righteous standard and my own merit and the reason is because romans 3 23 everyone has sinned we all fall short of god's glorious standard and that's what sin is sin is simply a failure to completely love and obey god as i'm commanded to do martin luther the the great reformer of the, the early 1500s he had he had been a catholic priest and he tried all kinds of things to make him right and eventually he actually had a, a great you know transformation uh, based on uh, romans 1 16 that the righteous shall live by faith and he went on to be a, a great you know uh, leader and reformer yet martin luther used to say i am the great sinner and people say wait a minute martin you're a great guy. You're doing all this stuff. He goes, no, I am a great sinner because I continually fall short of what? The great commandment. The great commandment is to love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and strength, and I continually fall short. See that? That's the proper attitude. No matter, what, no matter how I may look in my religious faith compared to other people, I know in my heart I don't love God the way I should. I fall short of the holy standard. And, and that, that's just the way it is. We're all in the same boat. And the outcome of that is, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. It'll eventually be physical death, but right now it's a spiritual death, separation from a holy God. And, and this is serious. How many of us want to spend eternity separate 
from God. How many of us want our loved ones, our family and friends, our co-workers to spend eternity separate from God? Back to what God did then for the Samaritans. He drove the strong enemy away and he provided abundance for them. Although all seemed hopeless, right? God intervened. He caused the Arameans to hear the, the sound of a mighty army of horses and chariots, not only racing down from the north, but also from the south. The Hittites, the Egyptians, they freaked out and they took off to the east and left everything. Only God could do that in such a way that he did. You know, not only did he drive out the enemy, he left all their goods and plunder for the Israelites to enjoy. When all seem hopeless, that's what God does. And the spiritual truth is the same. God made provision for us, for our salvation in Jesus Christ. He provided a savior because I could not save myself. And just as he rescued the Samaritans from their physical plight, he offers deliverance for us, for our spiritual plight. And of course, this is a free gift, as Romans 6.23 says. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It cannot be earned. It's, it's accepted. It's received by faith in the response to God's truth, the good news. And it's provided for us. Romans 5.8 says God showed this great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners. I mean, I'm shaking my fist to God. I want nothing to do with him. And he's given his own son to die for me. Remember when some of the last words of Jesus from the cross were what? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. They didn't have a clue who they were really crucifying on that cross, so they, they wouldn't have done it. I didn't have a clue of how messed up my life was before I came to a point where I felt conviction and I knew I needed, I needed God's help. And even though I turned my back on him for 21 years, when I finally got humble enough to look up, he was there. Praise the Lord. It's a gift. We can't earn it. Jesus did everything necessary for, to remove our sin and give us right standing with the Father. And that's why Romans 8.1 says, there's no condemnation for those that belong to Christ Jesus. Because Jesus took all my junk, all my sin upon himself on the cross, and then he rose from the dead, and he offers me that new life. The Holy Spirit comes, and it takes the righteous, cleanses He's cleansed me in his blood. The Holy Spirit brings the very righteousness of Jesus into my heart. He gives me a righteous legal standing. Now I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. I have the same righteous standing as his own dear son. What a favored position. What an incredible good news and message for us to receive. No condemnation. Even when I mess up, there's no condemnation because I am now in Christ Jesus. Do I need to confess my sins? Sure. But my standing, it's just like when you become, when you're born, you become your parents' child. I didn't do everything that made my parents happy. Did that mean I stopped being their child? No. It meant I needed to make it right. I needed to confess, right? We don't stop becoming a Christian just because we screw up now and then. That's why we have a Savior. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We're in the process of growing toward maturity. Back to what God did for the Samaritans. He drove out the strong and he provided abundance for them when all seemed hopeless, right? And it, now Jesus has done the same thing for us. And the last truth, the lepers, remember the lepers, they found the resources left behind 
And at first, though, they started to hoard. They eventually what? They went to the city and they told the good news. The leopards knew they were going to die, right? They had nothing to lose. So they went, they found all this, and they eventually came under that conviction. You know what? This is a day of good news. Those people are starving in the city. We need to tell them. And, and they, they went. The people in Samaria did not know what God did until lepers told them. And, and the spiritual truth is the gospel proclamation is needed for people to respond. You know, Paul said some will call the gospel foolish, but it is the power of God for salvation, even if people say it's foolish. Does it make sense to put faith in somebody who died 2,000 years ago? Well, may not, but it's the truth. It's the good news. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the good news. It's offered to everybody. But how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? As Romans 10, 14 says. The good news is offered to all, but people need somebody to tell them the good news. And the question for all of us today, are you willing? Are you willing to be a person who tells others the good news? That there is salvation available for them in Jesus Christ. They don't have to live separate from God. It's, it's available. When I was at Moody Bible Institute, we, we heard a lot of missionary speakers come through. Some were good, some were bad, you know, some were better than others. It's, I still, I can't even picture this person, but I still, in my mind, I remember this one assembly we had, and this missionary speaker was talking to us, and he said, you may not be willing to go to the mission field, you know, if God calls you. And then he asked us this question, are you willing to be made willing? Whoa, that was a question, huh? Are you willing? Are you even open to being cooperative? If God would so move in your life, if he would give you the desire to do things that you thought you might never know, are you even willing to be open to that? And I, I said yes, you know. I haven't been to Africa yet. I've been to Arabia. I've been to South America, you know. But I'm pretty much a stateside guy, you know. But I'm open. I'm open to go. And that's a question for all of us. Are we willing to be made willing? Are we willing to cooperate with God so others can hear about Jesus Christ? And the last verse from Romans 10 here, it says, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers of those who bring good news. It is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. It is a privilege and honor to share the good news of God. He says, it's beautiful. He says, he commends us. He says, our feet are beautiful when we're carrying the good news to other people. And we, we all each do that in our own way. I don't think there's one canned approach how to share Jesus Christ with others. Some may feel there are, uh, in our culture, door-to-door -door evangelism is probably not very effective. You know, stuck, stick in tracks in people's faces and say, here, believe this, trying to get a notch in my Bible for leading somebody doesn't, you know, it doesn't always work. One of the ways that is effective is something called living in 3D. It's a type of friendship evangelism made popular by Bill Hybels based on his book, Walk Across the Room. And it is simply, it's developing friendships, the first D, develop friendships by being friendly, then Discover stories by taking interest in people in their life and then discern next steps. Pray. Ask God, you know, if there, you know, if he would so choose, if he provide an opportunity to share your story and share his story. 
And you think about it. If someone takes a lot of interest in you, is very friendly, they ask you a question, they listen, they show interest, and they do that on a regular basis, eventually, aren't you going to ask them, hey, what's going on in your life? So, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's, he's done remarkable things for me, and, I, and he's really the best. Do you want to hear about him? You know, it opens up those doors. God's timing, God's way, not to force it. But again, through prayer, there's, uh, I think it's Ian e. Bounds, one of those great prayer warriors of old. He said, before we talk to people about God, what? We got to talk to God about people. Only God can break through. Only a spirit can draw them to Jesus Christ, right? It's not a job to do in human strength. It's a job we do in cooperation with God as the spirit leads. And as God gives you an opportunity to do it, take advantage of it. One of the things I do is I, I carry these little booklets with me called Steps to Peace with God. We have these down front. We, they're always down front if you ever uh, want to get them. But it has some really good, helpful diagrams. Because when we talk about spiritual truths, guess what? The things of the Spirit are invisible, right? So having a diagram, it can be very helpful. So I find that helpful. Others have. Uh, we, went, we, we, we totally exhausted the ones we had over here for service. We got more for second service, so uh, come on down if you want to get some of these. If you, if you have questions about your own spiritual faith, come on down. That's why our prayer partners are here. We're here to help you, encourage you, pray for you, lift your needs up. And folks, as, as we close out here, the last point there in your outline is just as it was wrong for the leopards to hoard the resources. Did I spell hoard correctly there? Is it okay? okay? All right. Hoard the resources for themselves while people were starving, it's wrong for followers of Christ not to tell the good news to people who are spiritually starving. You know, Paul said, we are debtors of all people. We have something that belongs to everyone, and God wants us to get it to it, get, get it to them. You know, in Luke 14, Jesus told a parable about a rich man who had this big wedding. It wasn't really a wedding feast. just a big banquet, and he, and he sent out invitations, and when it was time, his servants went out to gather the people, and they all said, no, they all said, no, I'm too busy. I got some business to do, and, you know, I got some uh, oxen to check out. Nowadays, you know, I got a Camaro to check out. Uh, you know, I'm going to get married, and, you know, all these different excuses. So the king said, or the, the rich man said, go out, tell others. Go to the highways and byways and compel them to come. And they did. And some people came. He says, there's stale room. He says, get out into the country. Go behind the bushes. Go behind the barns. Get everybody until my table is full. Folks, that's the love of our God. Second Peter says, he's not willing that any should perish, but everyone, everyone should come. Everyone should come to repentance. Everyone should come to his table and feast. And it's a wonderful thing when it happens. And it warns us, too, that not everybody's going to respond positively, are they? Paul warned us in 1 Corinthians, there's not many rich or noble or powerful. Those of us who get all of our jollies met in the world, we may not have much an openness. That shouldn't stop us from looking for the other ones that do and will respond because they will. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.